All right. Well, good evening, everybody, or good morning, good afternoon, doesn't matter. Welcome to show number 31 of the Jimmy Palumbo Show. That's right. Show number 31. I'm your host, Jimmy Palumbo. As you know, I try to say my name as much as I can in the beginning. And this is show number 31, and it is a special show indeed, because um, later on in the podcast, we're going to hear the final Jimmy's bookings. That's exciting. And um, we have a lot of other fine little things we're going to talk about. But this is show number 31. And you know, we do the player's jersey thing. So I was going to go with the easiest one would have would have been to go with Steve Carsey, the Yankee pitcher from the 80s. <laughs> but I couldn't do that. Um, I can go with Hensley Bam Bam Mullins. I could do that. I can go with Tim Rock Reigns. I love, the, love Tim Reigns. I can go with Maddox on the Braves, but the Yankees always beat the Braves, so I don't want to do that. Of course, you got Big Dave Winfield. I thought about going Winfield out of respect. For some reason, Jeter, Jeter kind of like erased Mattingly and Winfield a little bit. Uh, maybe that's just me. I try to always go with the Yankees from that era, but I could never do it because you mentioned every single one. So last week when, when I said I was going to do Willie Randolph, but I didn't actually say it, that's right. the guy I was going to do. Winfield and Randolph are my dad's favorite Yankees okay. and Reggie Jackson. Okay, okay. I get it. I get it. Now listen, the beauty of this segment is that there's no rhyme or reason to it. I don't owe, sometimes I go with the star and if we ever get to show number 56, it will just be called the Lawrence Taylor show. I assure you. Um, cause I'm also be my age. Although by the time we get to 56, I could be in the Byron Hunt stage. That joke is only funny to four people. Um, but I could say Piazza, Winfield, like Reggie Miller. I was going to go Jack Tatum. Because when Jack Tatum was a badass, the Giants stunk, and I was a little kid, and they were always on the 4 o'clock game. Like the Charger-Raider game was always like, you know, with the, the announcer was Charlie Jones. Remember him? on? It was always on NBC, and it was the late game, and the other teams were better than the Giants. I was going to go with Jack Tatum. But I, I, you know, I really thought about I was going to go with Aaron Hicks, but I didn't because he's the reason why Gardner had to play too much this year. And um, so I'm going to go with a guy a little bit from my from my growing up. This guy would be making $22 million a year. He would probably be, if he was on the current Yankees, he'd be like, you know, Hall of Famer. But he has a crazy stat that is important to anyone from Puerto Rico. He is number 31 for the New York Yankees, Ed Figueroa. Figgy, Figgy on the mound for the Yankees. He was the first Puerto Rican player to win 20 games. It was a big deal at the time. And I'm not so sure, you know what? I, I, I should have done my research on this, and I didn't. But I will come back next week and explain. I don't think there's been many, because you have to be a pitcher from Puerto Rico, and you got to win 20 games. Not that many guys win 20 games anymore. So um, it could be an interesting stat, but we'll find out. And um, maybe I'll have... Uh, you know, Chris behind the glass, or maybe Dave start to Google Puerto, Puerto Rican player, 20-game winners since Ed Figueroa. Um, but uh, that's it. I'm going to go at number 31, Ed Figueroa. Who you got? I got Al Harris, baby. Packers uh, corner. Packers guy. All Remember right. the guy when the Packers played the Seahawks in the playoffs, and Matt Hasselbeck said, we want the ball and we're going to score, and then his first pass was picked off for six. So Al Harris, I also smoked a joint with Al Harris on the boardwalk well, in Seaside Heights. I so. think that's more important than yeah. Can I cut you off here? Yes, we're being uh, cut Google off by... 20 win, 20 win Puerto Rican pitchers. That was the Google search. Okay. First Wikipedia page is Ed Figueroa. Okay, there you go. Anybody else since then? I, list of, no, no, but it's just funny how... Okay, and it was a big deal at the time. I remember I was only, I think it was 77, if I'm not wrong. No, it might have been 76. Anyway, um, Figgy, he was good, but big mustache. I ended they up be, in his They've been doing those nicknames for a long time in baseball, huh? I, uh, Figgy, Figgy, Figgy yeah, Darty. A, it's always Figgy. been that way. Um, and he owns a bar in San Juan, Puerto that Rico. That stash, that mustache. That I, is a 70s Yankee mustache if I ever saw one. I stumbled into the bar, and... I was in there, and all of a sudden, I'm with a bunch of people who are not like baseball fans, and I saw like all oh, this like Yankee shit. I'm like, wait a minute, there's a big, too many pictures of Ed Figueroa on the mound. This has got to be his bar. And I went over to the manager, a lady or the girl behind the little desk there, and I said, "Is this Ed Figueroa's bar?" And she says, "Yes." I'm like, "Is he in here a lot?" And she was like, "He just left 20 minutes ago." I'm like, "Is he here all the time?" He's like, "Yeah, it's his bar. He's here every night." I was like, "Oh my god, I would have loved to meet Ed Figueroa," but. Um, so, yeah, first 20-game winner from Puerto Rico. I know I have a lot of fans in Puerto Rico. And so if those of you tuning in, I'm talking about your guy, Ed Figueroa. So this is the Figueroa Al Harris Show. So exciting. So let's get to the show. Now, <clears throat> sports-wise, 
Um, well, it's depressing today for me. Um, it's been uh, number one. It's been seven days since the Yankees got eliminated. I'm okay with that now because they they were on and off all year. But Rutgers was three and zero, oh, and now they are three and three. Um, but you know what? I was at the game yesterday, disappointed in the crowd. There was only like six twenty thousand people to start the game, if that. People are out in the parking lot. They just don't go into the game. And by the time they do get in the game, when you're playing in the Big Ten, you could be down 20 to nothing. Um, the student section filled up. Uh, the game started out, Rutgers 7 nothing. I was all fired up. I thought there was going to be good things to come. But we got smoked. But here's the weird thing about the Rutgers game. First of all, there were four touchdowns by Michigan State. And all four of them were 65 yards or more. That, that that's a rare thing. One of them was for ninety five yards on a running play. I, I'd like to say it was a bust, but it was kind of a seam, and he was just gone. Um, the receiver on uh, Michigan State Naylor, I think, might be an NFL guy. The running back runs hard; he's good too. Uh, their line's big, but when you give up four plays of sixty five yards, sometimes it's hard to go like, was our defense bad, or were we just bad for four? It was plays? like they were manhandled through and through every play of every game. You know, the Michigan game. Big plays. I thought we won the line of scrimmage. I watched it again on TV. That you know later that no, the next day, but Michigan State. I don't think we won the line of scrimmage though. So I can't yeah. say I can't say they won by a fluke. It's not that what I'm saying. The other thing is, uh, if anybody because out a there, blowout was a fluke. Uh, the, uh, the Ohio State game was. Well, no, I'm saying I thought you were talking about Michigan State. No, it, 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 they beat us. They beat us fair and square, and it was like kind of they just they just beat us up on big plays. But the other odd thing is Rutgers lost to three teams in a row, and from the Big Ten, but all three are in the top ten in the country. I don't think anybody's played like we have to have the toughest schedule at this point. Have to three top ten teams. I, you know, I know schools in the SEC can play three top 10 teams. It's certainly possible, now, but were, not in a row. Were all three teams ranked in the top 10 when they played? Well, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't think so, Michigan was. I think Michigan was like 16 when they played Rutgers. Well, certainly they were in the top 20. Yeah, and now that now since the but, three more wins. But you could say, yeah. heading into this week, who have you lost to? We lost to three teams in the top 10. And Temple and Syracuse are not having brutal seasons. So you can say, this week... Now, I went on, it's a great website, anybody scoring at home, and you guys should, you're not really into college football, but it's called MasseyRatings.com. You'll love it. It does a cumulative poll down the center of the page of all the polls in the country. Like you and I could do a poll called the Gucci Palumbo poll. We have a, a, like a strategy of point scored against all weird ones. They also have AP, coaches poll, and all that stuff. And they do a whole little algorithm and they rank them. All three of the Rutgers losses, guys, are in there. But the rest of the schedule, Northwestern is not. We're like ranked like 48th. But the rest of the schedule, Northwestern's 92, Wisconsin's 40, Illinois's 93, Indiana 56, uh, Maryland last game of the season's 49, and the only really surefire loss is Penn State. They're ranked eight, eighth. So, <coughs> excuse me. I think we're really going to see um, how good Rutgers is like this week. Northwestern's not that good. Overall, probably better than we are, maybe on paper. But like, if we get spanked, like thirty, you know what their three, record is offhand. I think they're either. I think they might be three and three, three and two. That 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 are real. But like, they're still ranked. They're probably looking at the Rutgers game the same way Rutgers is looking at them right I, now. They should be. Yeah. It's like we need to get this win. But they didn't play the schedule we played. You know what? Iowa didn't play the schedule we played. Um, so I'm curious about that. But listen, what? They're two and three. Northwestern's two and three. Um, but I always thought the Northwestern and Illinois game were winnable. And if you win those two games, then you don't have to worry about anything else. The last game of the season, we'll have five wins, playing Maryland, who's just as good as us. You win, you go to a bowl. They could beat Indiana, too. They can, but Indiana beat us, you know, beat us up last year. But uh, one week at a time, they're a little banged up. We'll see. My Giants, look, Giants played the Cowboys. Um uh, the Cowboys are good. The Cowboys are good this year. You know, it's been a while since they've been good. They have a lot of talent there, and um, they got Elliott and Prescott back and everything. Um, but the Giants are banged up, man. I mean, the second half, once you lose your quarterback, it's like the Penn State-Iowa game. And I think if the kid didn't get hurt, um, Penn State would have won that game. But um, they're banged up 
three, they're starting three wide receivers are out. Most teams would, even if you have Aaron Rodgers or Brady, you wouldn't recover from that. Or, you know, Brady probably would. There is a silver lining to the three receivers being out, though. Because there's a guy named Kadarius Toney. Now, listen, I love this guy. Um, I think he he's a big play receiver. I know he had COVID and he lost his sneakers in practice, but I also think the Giants should have put this kid in the game. Um, I listened to part of the game on the radio with Carl Banks, and Carl Banks is a pretty good analyst when it comes to certain things. He could be a little Johnny negative, but he was saying stuff like that. That's saying a lot coming from you. When they were only down by 11, the Cowboy, uh, the Carl Banks was like, hey, this game is not over. This is the NFL. And he goes, the Cowboys do not have an answer with Tony. And they got their best player guarding him, and he's open. So, you know, again, I think if the Cowboys had all week to prepare for a guy like this. But I thought he had a big game. Of course, then he gets in a fight. But I don't mind the fight. I usually hate this punk stuff. But for some reason, I think the Giants are such pussies. And uh, the Cowboys looked bigger, badder, uh, louder, even more obnoxious. You don't want to see those types of things in a tight game. But when you're getting spanked where they were you're late getting, in the game, beaten off it's the okay ball. to show that frustration. Uh, yeah, and now, me. should he hit him in the helmet? Of course, he's probably going to get suspended. I hope he doesn't. But um, I, I just think it's like the Giancarlo's not going to get suspended. But he'll uh, get hopefully, fine. he won't. Um, and uh, but the Giants just like they're just not that good. I I think they got I think they got to fire the GM. They're the worst team in the NFL. Like the Lions are better than them since the 2017. That's incredible. Um, I think the GM's got to go. Gettleman's got to go. I think now wait um, for for context because people. Since 2017, the Giants do have the worst winning percentage in the NFL, correct? Yeah. yeah. I think so that, that's where you were getting at. They're not the worst team now because they're not better. Than, they're, the Lions are worse. I, you know, I'm not even so sure, man. We got only one more win, and the Lions played tough yesterday. I don't even know. But listen, the Giants have big issues, I think, culturally. The fan base, they're not going to that shitbox air conditioner stadium. It looks like, a, looks like an air conditioner. So, I mean, they got their tickets sold out, so they don't care. But... Fans aren't going. Jerseys aren't selling. Um, New York has a huge NFL problem um, in that the Jets and Giants both stink. And um, the Giants, I think they got they got to fire the GM. They got to start all over. Um, and I think Judge may go too. Hate to say it. Hate to fire a guy after two seasons, but I, I think there's nothing going on there. And now you got guys hurt. But who knows? You could also say if they had their healthy guys, would they have been? What they need to do if they're going to do that, though, is they they have to do what you said. They can't fire the coach and keep Gettleman no. or keep Gettleman, fire the coach. Like, Everyone, it's got to be blown up. You got to fire a guy. You got to give the keys to the car. If I was an owner, you even you could even make the argument that Jerry Jones sucks because he, he gets too involved. But that's a rare case. And Jerry Jones is a rare personality. But most of the time, your owners, you have to you have to hire people. I don't mind the owner to come in if he's a Jerry Jones type, or he's going to spend the money at least. So at right. least he could come in and say, but, you know what? But you have this. to give it, like, I think the Mets have an issue with that. you got to be an owner, and you got to hand the keys to the car to the guy and say, hey, listen, go hire your GM, go hire your coach, go hire your staff with the coach. I think when you, if they hire a new GM, he may give Judge another year because maybe he likes him. But it's like that. But like, you know what it does is it buys them a built-in excuse. If they don't succeed, then you're like, well, you know what? Right. We got to we got to let the GM stick around another extra year because it wasn't his I, coach, and I, you're just setting yourself back. I, yeah, I, I just I just think the Giants got they've been very and even under Eli, everybody. Lo- I listen, I love Eli, but like they weren't that good under him for the last six years before that. So, um, but the Cowboys are better. You Giant fans online, like you can mock the Cowboys. We all do. It's easy pickings, but you. They're, they're, they're good. Like, they haven't been good in a while. They're good now. And so that's okay. <laughs> they're good. I'm really curious when they, if they stack up. I thought Elliott, there were so many hand tackles on the giant, on the Cowboys uh, running backs. I'm curious if they play a really good defense. But you know what? There is no good defense in the NFL anymore. So it's more about good offenses. So um, I think the Giants are in trouble. I, I, think, I think they're going to win four games. I really do, um, especially now this backup quarterback for next week. That's I don't know problem. what. Yeah, they, they didn't really release any word on Daniel Jones' status, but There's no way. Just judging play. by the way he looked, I know that the head is a tough thing to. to Has anybody gauge. ever played the next week? Yeah, when you a concussion, it's like you got to go through the process. There's a protocol. Um, but you got to practice by Wednesday. They're going to know by Wednesday. No way. No, you don't have to practice by Wednesday. It depends on what the team rules are. If if you're the quarterback, I guess you'd want the quarterback to be able to at least go through the walkthroughs He's and not, things like yeah, that. Like this, Rodgers and Brady could not. Now go let's away be let's vacation. be honest here. The Giants are what one and four. Yeah. 
are they going to really rush their quarterback no, back no, to lose play. anyway and, and risk his health and long-term future? I can't see that happening. Anyway, yeah, I don't see it either. The Giants stink. I'm aggravated. Plus they got the Rams on the, on the docket got the this Rams week. the Rams coming into town, and that's going to be a big problem. So, um, But anyway, uh, bottom line is not a good sports weekend, but the Knicks are 2-0 and in preseason. And listen, I, w- I think it's creepy to watch preseason basketball, but Rutgers and the Giants have... I'm a creep now, so I watch a little. I'm excited about the Knicks. I think the Knicks are going to be tough. So we got to talk about another thing. Now, this week is the last Jimmy's bookings. Very sad. Yes, yes, very sad. But we're going to have another little thing going on there. And that's going to be, we're going to figure out a new segment. We're going to have fun. Don't you worry. But the other thing is, last week, Absolute Eyewear, as you know, our favorite uh, optician place, I had to bash one of the owners, Craig Mashad, for not getting back to me. I was very sad about this. He never talked to me I, the whole time. I don't hear him. I, does he like the show? Does he like that? I hear from his sister. Shaneen's old, old. She's badass. She's on. She, she engages with Chop Sports Network. She goes to the Rutgers game. Craig, nothing. So I, was, I, I went off on Ted last week. First time ever in the history of podcasting where a sponsor gets ripped on by the host. Yet I'm telling people still go there because they're good. But since Greg called me, and we had a very nice chat, I've decided to do a little segment on Craig Michaud as part of a, I think the name of the, I think it's the name of the segment I'm giving to you already, it's all about Craig. That's the name of the episode. Now, Craig played softball with me for 21 years. He was a young, good-looking fella, okay? He used to wear the open-collar Don Johnson shirts with the white pants and the white tassel shoes and everything. His hair was slicked back. Italian stallion, he wore that little... Italian thing. He was such a jerk off, but we loved him. My brother loved him, and we needed youth on our team. So my brother was running the team back then, and um, or I was. We were both running it, but so he says we got to have this young kid. You know, he can run, but he really couldn't hit. But he hit the ball hard when he did hit it, and he ran fast, and he was a decent outfielder. But the thing about him was I loved him the most. His main contribution early on was. The hot chicks he brought to the bar every week. He was single at the time, so I'm not disrespecting anybody. <laughs> every week to be a smoking hot chick. And I'd be like, dude, who's that? He'd be like, ah, you know, she's nice, but I don't really know where that's going. The next week would be another hot chick. I'd be like, dude. And then he would bring her maybe for two weeks. I was like, dude, where did you meet her? Yeah, I met her down about on shore, whatever. So I'd be like, I was like totally like drooling every time. So literally I'd be like, who are you bringing this week? So... This went on. He was like, ah, leave me alone, leave me alone. I was like, dude, you have no idea. Like, you're like, you bring in like Tom Brady every week. So finally, this one time he brings in, we were at Strawberries in Woodbridge. He brings in this blonde. I was like, oh my God, this girl is light. This girl should be in showbiz. I was acting at the time. I'm like, this girl's light. She was nice to me, but in that condescending way, like, oh, Jimmy, Craig tells you all about, you know, like, yeah, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna jump the route. If she, if she threw a pass that floated, I was gonna. An ill-advised Palumbo manager of Corona Softball jumps the route on Craig, takes it to the house. But you know what? I think if I jumped the route, she might have caught me. I would have been knocked out of bounds at the six. We would have kicked the field goal anyway, so I would have lost. Um, but uh, so the following week, she's gone. I'm like, dude, what? You had the number one draft pick. What are you doing? He's like, ah, yeah, I met someone. Maybe I'll bring her next week. I was like, met someone? There's no way, you know. Week later, who's he show up with? This girl's hotter than her. Smoking beautiful. She was sweet. She was nice. She was talking to my mother and father. I'm like, you are un- you're the best GM ever. Like, everybody, the Mets should hire you. Yankees, John Rucker should hire you. And, uh, of course, she ended up being so nice that she was very nice to me. And I know you think where this is going. And... They are still married today. Uh, Jennifer Michaud is his wife. She stuck around for good. She made the, he finally found, you know, the Rogers Tom Brady girl that stuck around. Um, and I used to just mock him out. And of course now when after he's married for a while, I used to whisper and say, Hey, remember those days you used to bring those hot chicks? He's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say anything, don't say anything. But I'm saying She's that. not listening because he doesn't even listen. He doesn't listen. But uh, Jennifer's sweet and she knows I love her. So um, but the thing about he's got a couple of interesting stats in playing softball. The team started in 1967. See if I can get a rise out of Dave here. If your team has been started in 1967 in slow-pitch softball and you are the all-time leading strikeout player, do you realize how amazing, like in 30, 40 years, he struck out the most. He struck out swinging. He struck out, and this is not counting pop-up 
the second strikeouts, you know, foul balls. This is pure umpire. Okay. He struck out the ball bouncing in the middle of the plate. He struck out the ball catching the corner of the plate. He struck out swinging. I was like, dude, you have the uncanny ability to strike out. And then he hit the ball 400 feet. But I'd be like, dude, like I've struck out, I've, I've struck out once. See, I have a lot of strikeouts, but then I hit the ball four feet. I know. So dribbler down the line. You are on way. Beats it out. You might be the new Craig. Um, but he also has the record maybe for the furthest home run ever hit for Corona, which was at Warren Park. I know all my listeners in L.A. know where Warren Park is in Warbridge, New Jersey. But he hit a bomb halfway up the pole. That's a shot. And you guys have played on those fields. Um, and uh, But he also had the ability to make easy catches. You know those fly balls when you start running in? Like, when it's hit to a good player, you know it's like... Like, if you hit a fly ball to me, I catch it 99.9% of the time. With Craig, though, when a ball was hit to him, lazy fly to the right center field, everybody held their position. Even the opposing team was, like, yelling, go, 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 like, run, run, you never know what him. And sometimes the ball would hit off his glove, his chin, his nose... Off his glasses. It would, so it me would and Craig around. really do have a lot in common, uh, don't it, we? It would, <laughs> I, 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 watch, to that. I watch you do that. I'm like, I, I've seen this with Craig. But I must say, he also made the greatest catch of all time. And I, I always kid around about this. And you guys know about this. You know when you have those softball innings, you're playing a pretty good team. But maybe it's like, you know, maybe it's like 2-2 two, two in the third. But you know the other team is way – you saw the guys go one through the lineup, but you're like – Oh my God, every guy's a stud. You just played well the first two innings and you feel good. A couple of hard liners to third, you feel good about yourself. And then there's that like that bottom of the third or fourth inning, and they bat like the inning just goes on. Bases loaded, double, home run, bases loaded, triple. Taking pitches. Taking pitches. They're walking. It's like those like 15 run innings where it's like, oh, this is death. And so now the score is like 17 to 2, you know the game's over. Um and it was two out, and I'm playing right field. And the guy hit a bomb, uh, and I started running towards it. But I was probably half being pissy. We're getting our ass kicked, but I never would have caught it. And I'm thinking, okay, I was always good at playing it off the wall though and getting it in. I I was famous for holding a guy to a triple on a ball way over my head because I'd hustle to the ball, get my feet planted, take catch the ball, fire it He's in. He's famous for that, ladies and gentlemen. Famous, fat, world famous. World. I always felt if a guy hits a ball over your head, you hold him to three. It's like a huge thing, unless he's a fat bastard, like you know. But all of a sudden, I'm going back, and I kind of turn to play it off the wall. And it, we had like a little warning track with gravel out on Warren Parkfield. And all of a sudden, Craig comes flying in, diving like perpendicular to me, like diving catch in the gravel, like slides. And I was like, I, so he caught it. I went, oh, my God. I said, Craig, that was the greatest catch ever. But as we're running in, nobody yelled out, great catch, good job. No Silence from the team because we had just given up 17 runs. And all of a sudden I looked at him and I was like, Craig, I'm so sorry. Um, that was the greatest catch I've ever seen. I play softball three nights a week for years. I was like, and no one's ever going to care because it came at the back end of a 17, 15 run inning, whatever the hell it was. And he was like, he was, he was actually mad that we gave up that many runs. So I literally, during the game, next two two innings later, I looked at him and was like, it's best catch ever, best catch ever. So he's responsible for that. Um, and uh, he was our first young draft pick. We considered him youthful. He was only like 23. We never drafted like that. Plus, his sister came to every game, and that was always great. She's a big fan of uh, the team, and she, she, you know, absolute eyewear, and she engages with everything. She gets involved with the Chop she Sports She gets Network. involved. Um, his kids are Yankee fans. None of this bullshit where the kids are like they're Yankee fans and Giant fans. That to me is part of proper parenting. If your kids, whatever you, you know, you, if you listen, I know you guys grew up, you guys, I let you guys slide on this Packer awfulness and Cowboy ridiculousness. But your dads were the fans, so I got to say, that's okay. The ball rolled straight down where it's supposed to roll. Um, but when you're living in New Jersey and you're a Giant fan and you have kids, they should be Giants fans. I can think of one reason why you should hate the Giants and it's living in New Jersey and having to deal with that team. Those two teams. Like, bro, growing up and being a fan of another team and never getting to watch it, but seeing the 2-14 and 14 Jets black my good my good game out or the one right. that's but now, the But now worst. everybody watches the game, so it's a different world. But he, his kids are absolutely Yankees and Giants fans. My mother and father loved them, especially my dad. I played right field next to him for years. There was many times where he, he cut a few balls off that I wasn't going to get to. Um, and a couple times, of course, every time it was hit to me, I'd say, Craig, a couple of times he let balls go underneath his legs because he was running in strong. I go, Craig, catch the ball, throw it in. 
In, in softball, you win games doing that on base hits. Catch it and get it into the cutoff guy. So that's it. That is my special moment for Craig. Um, he deserves it. He is a, a sponsor of the show, and he did call me. We had a nice chat, and he knows I love him. So now it is time for Jimmy's Bookings. And Jimmy's Bookings are sponsored by Craig Mashad's Absolute Eyewear. That's right, 42 Main Street, Woodbridge, New Jersey. That's Woodbridge with a B. New Jersey, 732-326-3937. If you're very old, you can say 732-326-EYES, which is the most obnoxious thing I've heard in six months. Um, but give them a call. It's Craig and Johnine, family-owned brother and sister, full-service opticians. They got everything over theirs. They got full-service optical place. Let me tell you, they got prescription eyewear, Prescription sunglasses, they got safety glasses, sports glasses, motorcycle glasses, glasses for the kids. They got contacts, eye exams. They got a guy on, on premise to do your eye exams. It's awesome. They're wonderful with the local town. They provide the mayor his glasses and teachers in town. They give discounts like that. They also give a $100 discount for a complete pair of prescription eyeglasses when you mention this podcast. Of course, key phrase, complete pair, frames, and lenses. 16 years in the business. Now, I love the trivia part of this ad. They're open five days a week. So, Chris, I got to ask you, real simple. They're closed Wednesday and Sunday. So, why are they closed Wednesday? It's because softball. Oh, uh, you're quick on it. I'm quick you're on good. this one, yeah. And uh, why are they closed on Sunday? Football. Oh, yeah, football. See, I brought it back. You brought old it back. Time you're safe. good, you're good. That's right. They're closed on Wednesday and Sunday. Um, that's when we play our games, of course. And uh, listen, they're great people. Go check it out. Um, and they have all kinds of different brands. And now it's time. Your attention, please. Now making up with Craig Mashad, Absolute Eyewear, and Jimmy Palumbo. Go see Craig, not Janine, where you will get Ray-Ban coach Ralph Lauren, Jimmy Choo silhouette Michael Kors, Vogue, Maui Jim, and Costa Del Mar. <laughs> so go check it out. That's my Bob Shepard. Love Craig and Janine. Um, and uh, give them a call. They'll walk you through stuff if you need it. They're great. That's it. So now they are sponsoring the final, final uh, episode of the pot, not episode, the final segment of, <laughs> I'm already canceling my show. Um, Show number 31. I was told that, and they told me that. The big thing about podcast world is if you should really make a big deal out of show number 31. That's, you know, kind of gets the crowd like Getting going. over the hill. Yeah, you don't want to do show 50 or 100 or 200. You want to do show 31, um, which is... I thought we were capping it at 50. You said 50 and then we're done. I could be. Your words exactly were, you never know. By episode 50, I'll probably be on my couch doing it from my couch. I, I, you know what? That, that was your you early veiled you know threats. Do not, do not <laughs> challenge me because I ended it up. And the good news is I got some money out of Chop Sports, which is nice. But with the toll money, I'm still down $17.51. I don't know where the 51 cents came from. And that's before you factored in the... Twenty one ninety nine per Facebook post that Dave does. That's so right. Like you're so actually it's twenty two dollars. So we're, we're about to start. Per, we're, I'm paying him by the hour. So so far he's done two weeks. So that's forty five seconds. So what's forty five <laughs> seconds of the hour? Um, but you know what? I can't even make. I'm trying to make Dave mad, but the Cowboys are five and one. He just he just can't be mad. Um, his wife could walk out. Four and, and one. Like, Don't get ahead of yourself. Four and one, please. They'll probably lose this week. So, you know, it's funny. I hope that the Packers and Cowboys lose because it's funnier to me to do the show. And you won't even be happy, here next Monday. Happy fans are no good. You, you know won't even be here next Monday to, to... I'll be here in spirit. I'll okay. be in Los Angeles. But I'll be doing the show the same as we always do on Zoom. But, uh, all right. So, here are the shows. Okay, now, the, the, one of the, fr this, the first one is simple. It's with a show called Alternatino with Arturo Castro, a really funny guy, um, casting director Seth White, um... I played a really funny mobster in this scene, and I'm wired up, and I'm making him do dances of Michael Jackson and stuff. It's pretty funny. I think, I think this. listen, I did sketch comedy with NBC and stuff like that for a long time. I think I'm a pretty good judge when a sketch is funny, and that one, uh, more so him than what, what, what he did more than what I did, but it's a funny sketch. Check it out. I think it's on, it's either streaming on um, Netflix or um, could be on Amazon. It's one of those streaming. Um, I think it might have changed with that, so... 
Maybe it's on the Peacock Network now. I don't even know. Alternatino. Alternatino with Arturo Castro. Funny guy. Um, really funny guy. And nice, too. He, he was he really, really bringing it. Um, the next show is a show that was on HBO. Really highly rated show. And a very cool show to watch. The reason why I like this show is because I love when a show talks about a subject matter that's not really something you're interested in or maybe even gives you the heebie-jeebies, but it makes you, makes it work. The show The Deuce is about, that's what they called 42nd Street back in the day, The Deuce. And it's about all the stripper, porn business, the coin-operated things. And I was blown away. Um, it's such a great show. You learn that, like, in the beginning, there was prostitutes and pimps. Like, that was real. And the cops would occasionally bring pimps in, but a pimp would, they'd, he'd have an apartment in Brooklyn with eight girls. they pay for their clothes, pay for their food, bring them out to the city in Manhattan at 42nd Street around 9 o'clock at night, and they would come back at 5 o'clock. They'd work like an eight-hour day. And they would have to bring the money back to the pimp. And the pimps knew, like, you're eight hours, you should have so many per hour unless it was a weather day or something. They knew, like... Uh, Just like any other business. Any other business. The, the manager at McDonald's knows around one thirty how many burgers yeah, usually they usually sell know, on right. a Monday afternoon. And then he picked them all up and he drove them back. And then what happened was then they started they got then they started to buy out uh, massage parlors and they would do it in the back room. And then someone found out that you could have these these videos that would play. First they did live where you pour it in and you could watch uh, uh, like a sex act around 42nd Street. And then someone said this video thing, and they walked through how the mob was involved every step of the way. And each one, there was old mobsters like, no, just do the live shows. I don't want to do nothing with videos. And then they realized they can make these videos for, you know, very cheap and make tons of money off them with the quarters. So I, it was a very, it's one of those shows you can't like, you know, with a church group be like, oh, I'm watching about, but it was a part of American history that was very well, and they brought you right up until... What's, what 42nd Street is, you know, right before the pandemic, which is like Disney World over there. But I played a guy named um, Roger Bernardo, who was a Gotti's number one henchman. And I did actually research the role. Um, he was Gotti's, like, number one guy. But he didn't have a crew. And he was bringing in billions of dollars because he, he was the porn guy. So all the videotapes worldwide were coming out of this guy out to the world. So it was like... He was like distributing like liquor, you know, even though it was it was porn tapes. And um, so the scene, I did the scene with John Franco and he was trying to show me uh, porn tapes that he made. What did I say? John. Oh, I said J John Franco? <laughs> picture, picture John Franco, picture of uh, picture the mess, probably stupid. No, James Franco. Okay, you can leave that in. I don't care. It's a mistake. Um, uh, Mel Hall. The, uh, so uh, James Franco, I did... <laughs> Mel Hall. So I did the scene with Mel Hall, and uh, and actually I did a, I did a, I did a, I'm gonna have dreams tonight of me doing a porn scene with Mel Hall and uh, Charlie Hayes, Jesse Barfield, <laughs> with Giancarlo coming in. Um, but uh, no, I did the scene with James Franco, and we sat in the back of a cab, and it was cool because he was trying to give me tapes of something that was about to happen, where the uh, the natural tapes, so the the porn wasn't produced; it was made at home, and he's trying to tell me this mobster who's making billions there's this new thing now people make their own and you sell it that way and i'm looking at him like please you're a jerk off but we ended up hanging out in the car he couldn't have been nicer because the guy driving the cab was also an actor and me and him were talking about sag pensions and residuals and how it works because i wasn't you know you make that rule you got to watch when you talk to actors and they're doing some kind of method acting they don't talk to you or they stay in character but i was i've never really i kind of do my own thing i don't know what kind of style do you, I have. do you think that um were you offended that they actually picked another guy to play the cabbie? No, I should have. I you should have talked to him like he was an actual you know, cabbie. Even though I had more lines than him, I was a little bitter about that. I thought I could have maybe drove the cab and talked to him at the same time. But uh, we were hanging out, but we were talking about like professional Screen Actors Guild stuff. And he ended up like entering the conversation. He didn't realize how the residuals worked and the pension. He, like, he, didn't, he was like curious about that, you know? And all the how the residuals are different now because only four companies own NBC Universal is owned by Comcast or vice versa or whatever. So he was very nice. I did, you know, I, you know, uh, and the director was sweet too, English lady. Um, she really, uh, they made me do it. We did the scene. And then she said to me, Jimmy, can you do it after you say your couple lines in the beginning? Don't even look at them. 
Like, that's how far below he is than me, even though he's in the mob, too. And we did a take. I thought it was cool because I didn't tell him. And I just, he was talking, and I didn't even, I just looked, I just, I wasn't even looking at him. I was like, that's powerful when you're sitting with a big guy, and he's like, but I wasn't going to kill him because I, I, I was meeting him because someone said, please meet with this guy. So I was doing a favor. Um, but I do kick him out of the, I keep the tapes, but I kick him out of the camp. But it was a cool thing. The show is really, really cool. So check that out. The Deuce, um, really had a good time doing that. Um, the other show is a TV show called Gravesend, which is on Amazon right now, produced and directed by William DeMeo. Uh, he's an actor friend of mine. He's casting me a few times in movies. Um, thank you very much, Bill or William, as we call him now. I called him Bill in the beginning, but it, uh, it's really William. I'll be proper. Mr. DeMeo, I'll call him now. And my buddy Joe D'Onofrio's in it. Uh, Louis Lombardi's in it as well. But the weird thing is, I the, the, what the show's trying to do, I think, is be like The Sopranos, but of Brooklyn. So show, you know, Sopranos showed like the Jersey way of life, Star Ledger. Yeah, like even in the intro. Of the right, of they, they the show that. This show. is trying to show Brooklyn. The shows are very different, very different, written differently. But it's trying to show, this is how real Brooklyn is. Uh, William DeMeo's from Brooklyn, so he's really trying to show that. But the, um, I'm playing, uh, I play Lenny, the owner of Lenny's Pizzeria, which is famous for that scene in uh, Saturday Night Fever, when Travolta's walking down the block and he goes and orders the pizza and folds it over, he takes the two pizzas, folds it over, and then eats the pizza there. So I play the owner of that, uh, and I have a cool scene because there's some trouble in the neighborhood, and I'm meeting with the two guys, the the two guys you got to meet with to take care of business. But it was cool. But they had a they had a picture on the wall of me with Travolta, right? The problem was they the Travolta picture was from Saturday Night Fever, so they had to make me look younger. So they had to like do all kinds of, put like a wig over my head. It's pretty cool. I got a picture of it somewhere. I'll have to post it. Um, I'm playing the famous Lenny of Lenny's Pizza, which is on the strip there in Brooklyn. So uh, go check that show out. Season two or three is coming out, I think, in the next couple months. So they're shooting it now. They told me I'm going to be involved. I want to be getting involved with Gravesend. So, William, if you're listening, call me up. I could use the payday. Um, and so that's that. Gravesend getting involved. The, other, the next booking is a really cool one for me, very special for me show called Katie Keen. It was the first show in a long time, really of all time, that I could actually watch with my daughter because it was about fashion. So I sat with my daughter and we watched each episode. She got a kick out of it. There was some kissy-poo going on in it, but it was on Channel 11. I call it Channel 11 CW. Um, I just aged myself right there. Nobody uses the word channel. W-P-I-X. W-P-I-X. Um, but uh, Katie Keen, and there's a character in it called Pepper Smith. And she's like this debutante running around the city. and But she's got a little bit of a past, and she might be a little bit of a liar. But she has a doorman dad. And uh, the role is played by Julia Chan, who could not have been nicer. She was so sweet. Beautiful, sweet. She just had a baby, I think. She just did a play in London. She's a doll. I sent her flowers to a theater in London. And because of the pandemic, I couldn't get... They weren't delivering flowers to the room. So I called the box office, and I got the stage manager on... And it was opening night, just about a month ago, two months ago. And I said, uh, I said, listen, I know you don't know me from a can of paint, but I'm calling up from the United States. Um, can you just, I need to get a note to Julia Chan to, to wish her, you know, break a leg. And um, so they said, okay. I said, just tell her, from Jimmy Palumbo, I did a TV show, show with her. And I just said from, oh, I wrote, once a TV dad, always a TV dad. Break a leg, Jimmy Palumbo. And the guy seemed like he was writing it down. He goes, oh, thanks, that's sweet. I'll get it to her. But I never heard from her, so I don't know if she has my number or whatever. But you know what? You can Google and get it, I guess. But I thought that was a nice gesture. She was sweet. But I was part of the plot of this show because <coughs> that was me coughing up a, a cigarette from um, the Spread Eagle in 1982. Somebody in is driving off the road right now. Um Spread Eagle was the old Olivers. Do I go back that far? Your parents drank at the Spread Eagle uh, on St. Joe and became Olivers. But um, I was part of the plot because she runs into trouble and with, uh, like, not mob money, but, like, money you shouldn't borrow. And, uh, 
you think she's going to get completely abused and run out of town, but her dad comes through and pays the tab. And uh, we had a couple of really nice scenes. I had such a blast doing the show. And I got to work with Bernadette Peters, who was a major Broadway star and TV star. Did a lot of Gene Wilder films. Did the movie The Jerk, the girl, Steve Martin's girlfriend in The Jerk. Remember mm -hmm. that movie? Um, she could have been sweeter. She still looks good, too. She's probably like 68 years old. She looked good. Uh, but it was cool. I did four or five episodes. They paid me very well. And I still get good residuals. So that's Katie Keene. And there was some good stars on there, too. Lucy Hale. She's a little hottie. She's always doing shows. Ashley Murray and Zane Holtz was the young guy on it. Uh, it was cool to be, I felt like the old, I was like Brett Gardner there. Because in the green room, all these young, gorgeous actors. And there's Johnny Dorman over there. Um, or Gary the Dorman. And um, I was really, it was really, first time I really felt like, wow, these people are just starting out. Like, like they just got drafted in their first year. And I'm like, you know, the, the aging free safety out of Texas <laughs> with two Super Bowl rings on teams that aren't even in the league anymore, <laughs> that kind of thing. So um, it was nice to see. I was trying to tell some of them, you don't realize how special it is to be a regular on a TV show because it goes away. And, you know, just like, you know, like a Dan Marino thing, it, you may not get back. So even though you might be making, you know, 12, 15, 25 grand a week, cherish it. Don't be a jerk off to your manager and agent because the show gets canceled, you're done. Um, but I think they were looking at me like, yeah, that's for you all, man. But we're young and got talent. But you know what? You know, I wonder if half of them are, are in the same spot now. Well, I, I, I'm sure they're all. I know for a fact uh, Ashley Murray is actually back on Riverdale now. But, uh, and Lucy Hellwood. They, they, they're, still, they're still young then. But you know what? 25 becomes 30 and 35. And next thing you know, you're a junk ball pitcher and you're gardener and you're, you're getting cheered for a 12-pitch <laughs> at-bat. Um, and that's how it goes. But... Um, it was, uh, it was a great show. I had a blast. I, I really did. Sweet people. No problems across the board. The next show I did, movie, I actually loved the script of this. It was called Windows of the World. It was directed by Edward James Olmos' son, Michael, and Edward uh, um, Olmos' the dad was in it, and a, a young kid named Ryan Guzman and uh, Chelsea Gill uh, Gilligan. Pretty people. Good-looking people. Uh, Jacqueline Oberdor was in it, and... Uh, it was a cool movie about a guy who leaves, um, he leaves the Mexican village to go work in the United States, you know, one of those immigrants, you know, climbing under the wire, that kind of deal. And he sends him money back and he's working at, he's working at the Twin Towers. But they're getting letters from him. They're thinking that their dad's doing really well and they can't wait to like see him again. But really in reality, the dad was struggling. You know, shit jobs, no money when you first get to New York, blah, blah, blah. But then 9-11 happens and they assume he's dead in the building. But the mother swears watching TV during the event that he saw the husband running away from the from the smoke, and uh, they're like, uh, he, work, he was working at you know he's working at the top of the, the restaurant up there, windows of the world, and um, so finally the one son decides to, I want to go to I'm going to do what my dad did. I wanna, he died tragically and he was doing really well. And he gets to New York with no money, homeless, nowhere to stay, no friends. He's doing window washing. He's begging for money. He's working at a job in a kitchen. He gets fired there. You know, all that. He really realized how hard it is to be an immigrant in this country. And But then he starts to ask around, and it turns uh, I'll blow the ending. I don't care. It turns out that his father, some, he asks around, and people are like, I, I knew your dad. And it turns out the father actually had a whole other life, met a girl, um, I'm glad that you said that because I didn't I didn't know if you were going to give the ending away, but I was going to ask and be like, it sounds to me like the guy that the, the father used the 911 as an exactly opportunity. Right. He felt very bad about it, but he um, um, he ends up um, they 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 come to terms with it. It's, that's that's the one tricky part in the plot point, but and he tells his son, let's just go back home. I'm going to go back to your mom. Let's go back home. You know. Because his mother probably just would have took him back anyway. And his son gets on the plane and he ran out. They both, <laughs> he no, dipped they, again. They like, both get on the bus. And, they, you know, they step on the bus and then the son steps back. And he lets his father go home. And the father realizes that, like, I pursued my dream. I got to let my son do it. So it ends with hope that he's going to try to make a star. Because he did, you know, start to get a decent job and stuff. Really cool movie. I suggest checking it out. My buddy Louis Martini's also in do it. Do you know where it streams? It's on. I think initially it was on something called Vix.com, um, but it might be on, uh, you know, Amazon now. Or I don't think it's Windows on of the World. Yeah. 
cool movie. Check it out. Um, and the last booking here, this is it, the final booking, The Michael Che Show, which I had a blast doing. It's on HBO Max. The guy, Michael Che from SNL, um, one of the writers was Rosebud Baker, a comedian and writer I met on the show. She did one of the sketches with me. I also really got, the reason why I'm here is because I met Chris Stefano again. And I auditioned for his pilot five years ago. And talking to him during the breaks, he was telling me he's doing really well with this podcast. And I'm saying to myself, obviously he's a young, talented kid. He's got a big following. I'm not diminishing him. I was like, Jimmy, when are you got you got to do a podcast. And that's when I announced I'm going to start doing a podcast. And then you guys got in touch with me on, uh, like, you know, Johnny Trino's doing a podcast. And here I am. Um, whether that's a good a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. It remains to be seen. But, no, that's why I'm here. I got inspired by him because he was telling me he's doing really well with it. And he was telling me also, like, how, Jimmy, just start talking. I'll turn the mic on and go. And that's really what we did from day one here. Um, I think we're getting better, but... Um, he inspired me, but the sketches are also on the show. Very funny. One was a, a racist PSA from cops. Like, we're trying to say the right thing about race, and it comes out awful. And uh, we did another one with this, uh, a bank's being robbed, and I'm all tied up, and they're going to explode the bank. And they, Billy Porter plays this, like, flamboyant, I'll use that word, flamboyant uh, superhero. And my funniest part is there's a scene where I just, uh, the superhero's coming to save the day, but he's like a bad superhero. And I'm just like, oh my god, not this jerk off. It's a funny little bit. Um, in the end, well, in the end, we actually the building does explode. But Michael Chase show is a cool little show to do. It's a funny show. It pushes, um, it pushes, definitely pushes the, the envelope a little bit. And I'll tell you, it definitely does. Um, and I'm going to segue into into two things here off the bookings. Um, I watched Dave Chappelle's last, uh, the controversial last one, and I love Dave Chappelle. He's a funny dude. His sketch show was awesome. He's a funny comedian. But I got to be honest with you. I felt it was forced. I felt like I'm going to be push the envelope. Well, what it's it like, was, I don't think he was even scheduled to do it. I think that he had a deal with Netflix and he wanted to get out of the deal. So he just did a bunch of specials in the last two I, years. I, I get that. I get that. That's the story they're going with. I don't know how true that is. I don't think the American public cares about that either. Like, oh, you're in your left. You made a lot of money off Netflix. I feel it. Oh, yeah. I so, feel like the first 20 minutes he was trying to be funny. The last 30 minutes he was literally just saying what he, it was no longer a comedy show I, to me. It was it, like, it was, I mean, yeah, yeah no, I mean, no, I'm not saying it, it, there's a funny delivery, line. He's, he's funny about almost but everything I, I he does. I felt it was like, I'm going to push. It's like how many, it's like you've been beating this horse for a really yeah, long I, time. I'm not, that was my opinion. The other thing about, uh, thing we were, I wanted to talk about, we mentioned it earlier, um, in the, in the green room here. I finished the Squid Game. Um, I totally recommend this show, but I recommend it on a weird level. On and money, in many ways, it's awful, but on many ways, it's mesmerizing. Try to watch it with someone else if you can. Watch it with Ashley if you can. Um, it's violent. People die. And it's gory. I'm all okay with that. The but one problem that I have with it, and I said to you, is, is the, 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 the... Well, listen, it's in subtitles. There's two ways to go. You gotta go, because I think it actually makes the show, because it's goofy. The show's weird, even though there's violent crimes in it. They do the subtitle. You gotta do the subtitles on the bottom in English and the dubbing. I think it's a better way to go. That's how I watched it anyway. But the dubbing is so bad. The English... What do you mean? What am I doing, sir? It's like, but it's not done by, it's done by English actors. But it actually adds to the weirdness of the show. Um, basically, the show is about people that get kind of captured, and these are a low dregs of society, people that have money issues, homeless people, even a little maybe drug issues, people that are not, have no chance in our society. And these people are going to give them a chance to, to win like a billion dollars. But you have to play these games. And if and they're children's games. Marbles, tug of war, red light, green light. The thing is, if you lose, you immediately get shot. Like, in front of everybody. But then it becomes like this whole thing where, like, when I'm sitting in the room, why don't I just kill you now with a knife? Because it, go, it, when it starts out with 400 people, then it goes down to 200, then 100. 
but people become animals over money. It's such a really uh, and it's a another element of it. It's not just money. It's it's now survival. Survival, too. but they're there for the money because they're gonna not the only th- one winner. Yeah, or there's not like oh you won this game of of tag. So you you'll live if like you just live that day and like you might die tomorrow. You, if you have lose to play the six game. games. Wow. And uh, two reasons to watch a show. It's kind of a cool show. It might be the number one Netflix show of all time, and it's also people are talking about it. So if you go out to a bar with people, and you say the Squid Game, you're gonna go like, oh, it's like Game of Thrones. You got if you, people that didn't watch Game of Thrones were like out of the joke. Wait until you see the the crazy social media trends that come from this squid game thing. You're going to see some dangerous shit happening I, with kids. Watch. I, I, you know what? I, I thought about, um, uh, you know what it is? Me and you at the bar one day watching a game. Let's say I'm watching a giant game. And I'd be like, you know, Chris, the giants suck. What if they, what if there was like a, a league where like the team's got to, like if you're mad, your team's not playing their heart out. Of the, so if I said to you like, wouldn't it be great if there was a league where if you lose, everybody gets like shot you were on like the a, field. Like a Colombian soccer team right. with Pablo Escobar. But, but you get shot. Yeah. Like right after, and that'll do it here. Pop, 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 pop. Like you drop everybody. But you do it in front of the other team. So it's like, hey, that's kind of the concept of this. Um, but it's, you know, but it's, it's a gory, you know, some people are not going to be happy with the show. But uh, I thought it was cool. It's only nine episodes. So you'd be done. You can binge that in two nights. Um, but check it out. It's the uh, Squid Game. And um, some really cool moments in it. You'll be like, oh, shit, I even think of that. That's what happened to me while I was drinking Chardonnay on my couch um, watching the show. So, um, And that's it. Those are my bookings. That's my little Hollywood thing. And uh, you know what? We'll be right back. Service Team of Professionals, a.k.a. Stop Restoration of Edison, is a locally owned and operated business that provides professional disaster cleaning and restoration services, including a 24-hour emergency service to homeowners, property managers, real estate investors, and insurance companies alike. Stop Restoration helps people overcome the stress and anxiety of unforeseen circumstances caused by fire, smoke, water, mold, and other unexpected damages. As part of a nationally recognized restoration franchise, Stop Restoration of Edison is backed by the best technical advisors and business consultants in the country. Visit them right now online at www.stop-edison.com. All right, we are back here from the flipping Made Easy Studios, courtesy of downtown Matawan here from the Omni in Atlanta. Those of you counting, I don't think I've said from the Omni in Atlanta. Um, We got a lot of exciting things coming up. Number one, I'm going to LA. I'll be doing the show live from the Mark DiCarlo Studios via the um, Flipping Made Easy (laughs) Studios next week. That ought to be fun. My nephew's moved out to LA. I'm going out there to help him out and do some business stuff. I just got a couple of big auditions tomorrow. I'm up for a couple of other things. I hope I book them. I, I desperately need it, of course, as all actors do. Um, and what else? We uh, So this is not a vacation. You're going to work. I'm going to work a little bit, yeah. But I'm also playing softball, believe it or not, on Monday night. And I'm also going to actually, uh, I got free tickets to the Rolling Stones. Maybe it'll be another Mr. Jimmy night. I wanna see, I'm going to be at that SoFi Stadium, by the way. How cool is that? I heard it's awesome. They say it's like the number, best stadium in the country right now. Um, the one in Where the, the, Rams, the new Ram Stadium? Yeah, so. Heard it's awesome. It is, but I'm thinking that the Vegas Stadium is the one I'd want to go to. But well, uh, yeah, I'd love someday I'll go to that one too. But I heard this one is like a wow factor, so that'd be cool. Um, of course, it'll annoy me more because it'll be like the Cowboy Stadium's better, the Vegas Stadium's better. Are you going to so be there Sunday? Yeah, where, who's playing? I think the Giants are playing the Rams. Imagine that. Go 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 watch a game there. First of all, how can I not know the Giants played at Rams? I, I don't know if it's at the Rams, but no, I mean, it's at. A, I think it's at Dave. Wait. Dave Sturchow is looking at me. First of all, okay, we're not going to make this show four hours long now. He should be looking at me like, uh, yeah, that's Typical say. Jimmy situation. Because like, I'm like a Giant fan doesn't, but you know what? The Giants stink so bad. We, I probably have tickets to the game. My brother does. And we're probably just going to dump them to some charity organization, like for the blinds or something like that. Because the Giants just the stink. <laughs> but, um, so I'll be out in LA, so that's exciting. Um, also, we just found out my buddy Tommy Plenio, my old neighbor from Colonia, lived right where you grew up, Chris, is opening up a bar 
in um, Forked River, New Jersey. He's going to open up in about a month called the Pine Tar Tavern from the George Brett thing. That's where he got it from. Um, and we're going to, he's got a stage and stuff because he has some kind of like entertainment, sometimes like acoustic guitar bands and stuff. But uh, we're going to do a full-blown, uh, maybe on a Friday night, we're going to do a live Chop Sports show, live Jimmy Palumbo show, live, do you remember that guy's show? It's going to be three hours of master entertainment coming live from a bar. We've never done that, so that'll be fun. And it's good to have a venue where you know the guy. We know so the guy. Because we, we have, don't know yeah, we how to, it's going to turn out, we just be like, look, this is a trial and error trial and everything. Kind of like we're still doing here. We have, to get, um, we have to make sure we get banners and stuff like that. All that stuff has to be done. So we should get moving on that, which will be fun. So I'll be out in L.A., and, um, and we got that going on. And what else did you say? I had something... Uh, there's another fun thing going on. Um, that's it. Giants play the Rams. Rutgers plays Northwestern. Uh, I'll be out in L.A. Um, I have a big audition tomorrow. I have to self-tape, which will drive me nuts. And um, that's about it. Jimmy's running down the list in his head. And then I'm as soon as we to... end this show. You it, just it'll... said something. You said don't forget I, to mention. I, you're asking the wrong dude. Um, even though it was me who said it, I still have no idea. But as soon as we end this show, both of us are going to remember what it was. You're going to remember something to say, and I'm going to remember what I, I wanted to we say. We mentioned flippingmadeeasy.com, getting involved here. Don't forget to go on to Chop Sports Media and uh, check out my... Chopsportsmedia.com, click on merch, scroll down about... 14 minutes or so yeah. until you see the Jimmy Palumbo show. Because what they do is, the, 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 how it works is, if you're the number one show on the network, you have to be at the bottom because they want you to scroll through the other stuff to exactly, get to it. Exactly. That's, That's actually not a bad idea. And then, because uh, you can now get the Getting Involved shirt, which is, I think, my funniest shirt, really. Um, and, and Or a Jimmy Palumbo show shirt or a 706 shirt. So my beer league fans can get to 706. My podcast fans can get to getting involved here. I think I might, you know what? I always say, like, players stink, giants stink, this team stinks. I think uh, I'm going to, the word stinks, because to me, this, stinks just sums it up. Yeah, it's like when you suck, it's like you're trying yeah, you too suck, hard. You suck, is, it's also, like, more nasty, but, uh, like, stinks, you know, it's just this yeah, stink. It's like you don't even have the, enough it, energy it, it, to muster up to, to show how angry right. you are. It's just like they stink. When, like, when they stink... They suck so bad that you don't even care yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's like it's yeah, it's 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 actually below suck in a weird yeah. way. And it's also it's also great because like if you're one and four, like one and five, you suck. You know what I mean? But like sometimes you could be two and three and be like, you know what, who are we kidding? You know like, what I, I was know, doing it on the live show today. It, when you have the worst winning percentage in the league since two thousand seventeen, you stink. Right, you just stink. You know, like they sucked every one of those right, years, but they, but stink. they stink. But there's teams that are two and three that I watched last night. They stink. Like, and then there's teams like they're two and three, like the Steelers, and you're like, okay, they'll be in the playoffs this right. year because they, they they never stink. Right, it's, they never stink. That's, and but like, it's been like the Ravens and the Steelers. I've never been able to say they stink. You know what I mean? Like, and to me, it's even fun. Like, I think anybody that finishes seven and nine they, you know, was they it this stink. show or, or our daily show where we were talking about the Steelers tenured coaches. Do you know what the actual number is? I, I figured it out after got, the fact. Is it five? They had three. They've had three coaches in the last fifty-one years. That's unbelievable. That's <laughs> you know what? Okay, what's harder to do? Rutgers having nine offensive coordinators in nine years. Think about that. Dave scoring at home. Nine OCs in nine years. So if Rutgers has an alumni banquet for offensive coordinators, they got to get like a big hall. Where if the Steelers have alumni of head coaches, they could do it right in this room. They, they could do it in someone's bathroom, just hang out. Like that's three coaches in fifty-one years. That is, and I feel like Tomlin's been there. I, I don't remember him not being there. Bill Cowher retired after I think they won the Super 97? Bowl with Bettis. Big Ben's first Super Bowl, maybe second. I think I don't know how. So many it's gone. No Cowher, Tomlin. Tomlin. That is incredible. And I watched a documentary on uh, on Chuck Noll, which is a must watch 30 on 30 you know what else too i don't think bill cowher even coached that long i think he coached in comparison to the other two no had to be there 20 years yeah I mean, and now tomlin's been there tomlin's i think this is his 15th or 16th year he's the so longest that's, so it's 35 oh so maybe cowher wasn't there 16 years you sure there wasn't another guy in between i'm pretty sure i think there was another guy didn't one guy get run out of town no yeah after after 19 seasons it's unbelievable you know what? I, I'm sure there's people calling for Tomlin's head there, though, now. But nah, maybe not. He's made it through some, some controversial stuff, though. Right. 
Yep, I can't. I, I think that the Steelers they give their coaches a long <laughs> Listen, leash. Big Ben shot, but the two and three. You know, you know what's sad? I wish the Giants had him. That's how bad that is. Anyway, like the Jets stink. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Giants stink. Uh, Falcons stink. Uh, there's so many teams. So I'm, I'm gonna, I want to create a shirt, something like stink or stinks, dot, 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 or dot, 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 stinks. And you have to fill that in. You go to a restaurant, the food's bad. Why do we come in? This place stinks. It's, it's like a bar down the shore that no one goes to. Place stinks. Place stinks. My breath. It stinks. <laughs> you know what? Just people at home go, you know, Jimmy, your show stinks. <laughs> and I cannot argue here from the Omni. All right. That's my show. I love you guys. I will see you next week. Peace. For a very special, with a very special guest. Where have you come from? Where have you gone? I lost some in honey since you've been home. Has it been a long trip? Has it been many stops along the way? I got a little tip now, baby. It's getting harder to stay. But welcome to California, baby.